Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So last week we heard about how our Lord battled our enemy, who is the devil. And it's interesting how this week it seems like from our gospel text that the Lord himself becomes our enemy. Does it not? Seems kind of strange, right? To see Jesus, to see God himself being prayed to so faithfully, so sincerely, and not to answer one word. How many times have you felt that way? Some of you more than others, I'm sure. That if you're praying and you say, God, are you really there? Can you really hear me? Do you really hear my cries for help? Do you really hear when I need you the most? And sometimes that is what happens. Sometimes we as Christians will pray and we won't get an answer. So, the Word of God is given to us partly so that we may know God's will for our salvation and also to give us encouragement, right? That God's Word is not there just simply to say, oh, well, just pray and maybe things will happen just fine, right? Maybe it'll all just work out. That if the Word of God says those things, if it's full of a bunch of maybes, then really what's the point in paying attention to it? But thankfully, it's not full of a bunch of maybes. It's full of the comfort of God's promises, which are sure, right? If it wasn't, then again, what's the point? Because all throughout our texts for today, we see different examples of those who are faithful and them going through a certain amount of tribulation, a certain amount of a certain amount of suffering, right? We see it first with Jacob in our text from Genesis, that when he's alone, before this big day when he's going to go see his brother, whom, you know, no big deal. He just stole his birthright. He has no idea if his brother, who is strong and powerful, will destroy him. And so he wrestles with God, right? He contends with God. It says, it's very interesting in our text from Genesis. It doesn't say if it was an angel. It doesn't say if it was God. It says a man came and wrestled with Jacob until dawn. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, I've never had my hip socket taken out of joint. I've never broken a hip, but from what I understand, it's very, very, very painful. Right? But 
Even so, Jacob did not let go. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So when we see here that if Jacob is wrestling with God, and God really wants him to just get out of here, he wants him to just let him go, just leave me alone, God will do what is necessary to make that happen. But instead, God touches his hip socket, and he causes severe pain. Not really to make him let him go, so much as to test him, to try him, to see if he is, to see if he is, if he is sincere, right? To test him, to try him. If he really wanted him to just let him go, he could have just struck him dead. And then he would have really just let him go, right? But he, he causes him pain. He causes him to go through a great amount of torment. And even so, he prevails not because he is so strong, not because he's so mighty and great to make God bend to his will. Please do not read that into it. What he is doing is he is holding on to the promises of God, right? That even though he is suffering and going through a lot of pain, he doesn't let that cloud God's promises. That God has promised to bless him, and so he will. That is what he holds on to. Just like with this woman, the Canaanite woman who comes to Christ, that she's in turmoil, she's in torment. And she comes and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon. Right? But he did not answer a word. She is suffering. She is in torment. And yet God seems like he does not care. So what does she do? She keeps crying out, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. The same thing that we cry in faith. And it's interesting because Jesus answers, not necessarily to her at first. He answers to his disciples, which, thinking charitably on the disciples, they, Luther thinks that they're, they're interceding for her, saying, Lord, just help her, please. But, I mean, it doesn't really sound like a great intercession, right? Send her away, for she's crying out after us. Get her out of here. Just answer her prayer or do whatever. Just get her out, right? So she doesn't rely on them. She relies still on Christ. And actually, it's a shame that the, the translation is the way that it is with what Jesus says when he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Really, it should read, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's a fine point, but if he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then that means he did, he did not come for this Canaanite, basically, piece of trash, because that's how they saw them. They were not God's people, and therefore they were not chosen. But he did, and we know that he came for the Jews and for the Gentiles as well. So 
it's better to say that he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So she kneels before him and she says, Lord, help me. And he answers, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, if it wasn't bad enough that Jesus doesn't talk to her directly, when he does talk to her directly, he calls her a dog. And even though in the Greek it is kind of a diminutive, it's a small dog, like kind of like a little house pet, it's still not great, right? It's still not good. It is demeaning. It is humiliating. But it is putting her in her place. It is telling her who she is, really, who we all are before God by ourselves. And just like as God brought the, hip sock, brought the hip from the socket of Jacob to cause pain and torment, so Jesus does the same thing to test, to try, to refine, to see if the faith is true, if it is, if it is sincere. And so she says brilliantly, to this clear humiliation. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That is to say, I don't want the children's bread. I want your bread. I want what you have to give. I, I want what you will supply. So then he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you believe as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So what do we take away from these things? Well, we as Christians, oftentimes in this world, with the way that we believe in this country, be, being in the United States of America, being, 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 uh, excuse me, being, uh, excuse me, being American Christians, suffering doesn't necessarily always play into what we would call a good life, right? That if you're enduring suffering, oftentimes other Christians might say, well, what did you do wrong? It's a lot like Job's friends, right? What did you do wrong? Just repent of what you did and God will surely bless you, right? Surely you didn't have enough faith. Surely you did something that deserved this torment. But we as Christians, we know, we ought to know, that our suffering is not necessarily something that means that we are cursed, that we are, that we are forsaken by God. Instead, we do, or we are called to do, as Jacob and this Canaanite woman did. And when things are bad, when we suffer, when we are tormented, when we ask, is God really paying attention to what's going on? Because I'm languishing here. When we go through these things, we are, we are comforted. Not by what's going on around us, 
but by God's promises. We hold fast to his word. We hold fast to what he has promised to do. We hold fast to what Christ has done for us through his death and his resurrection. We hold fast to these things because we know that the righteous do suffer. That when you are righteous for the sake of Christ, you suffer because he suffered for you. That we hold fast to the theology of the cross. We don't chase after a theology of glory. A theology of glory looks at things and says, well, if something good is happening to you, then obviously God's smiling on you. But if something bad is happening, then obviously God is not very happy with you right now. But a theology of the cross looks at the countenance of Christ and sees someone like Job and how he suffered, how he endured, how he held on to the promises of God. That we suffer as Christians, and it's not in vain. That when we suffer, when we are tried, we are given the opportunity to draw closer and closer to Christ. To trust more and more in what he has proclaimed for us. To trust more and more in his wounds, his suffering, his trials, his temptation, and how he conquered them for our sin. The more we suffer, the more we say, thanks be to God. God be praised for giving me this opportunity to trust more fully in him and that this is truly for my good. Because we can read with faith what Paul writes in in chapter 5 of Romans, that since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ not of our own selves, not of our own suffering. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And more than that, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Thanks be to God for the pain that I am suffering right now. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Our hope in God is not shameful because it is not false. Our hope in the death and the resurrection of Christ is not shameful because it is true. It is tied to a true thing that Christ has suffered and died bodily, and now is raised bodily and lives on high for our sakes, for your sake, for your good. He is at the right hand of God, his Father, our Father now, and he rules and he reigns for our good, even though that good is brought about sometimes through pain, through suffering. Hope, the hope that we have in Christ does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are purely receptive in this. 
that even the sufferings that come, the endurance that is granted to us for that sake, the character, the hope, it is all a gift of God. It is all a gift. It is a free gift of God for our good because God's love is poured into our hearts. We do not choose and say, God, I choose you to pour into my heart your love. He chooses us. He pours his love straight into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's all a gift. Count all these things as blessings when you suffer, when you endure, when you are granted that character from these things so that you would have hope in Christ. And sadly, as we go throughout our lives, we sometimes wonder, well, when we do good things, when we pray, when we give to charity, when we do the good works that God has called us to do, and yet we still suffer, we ask, where is our reward? Sadly, our reward that is promised to our good works done in faith is actually delayed until that last day. And on that last day, we will be raised in glorified bodies as Christ was on that third day. And we will live in bliss and joy for all of time. But until then, we must live by faith. We must trust that God has granted us the strength to do the things that he has called us to do. That he has actually, and I should have said this last week when I was talking about doing good things and making sure that you pray and you stay in God's word, that remember that the old man, the old flesh that still clings to you, it can't be trained. It can't be made better. It can't be improved. It must die. Your old self must die so that the new man who is Christ can come forth. And that in itself is also a gift. That the Holy Spirit drowns the old Adam daily through contrition and through repentance so that the new man may come forth and live forever through you so that Christ can live through you. You cannot tame the old flesh. You can only kill it. So as you go forward from here in suffering, know that that, that suffering is good. It may sound strange, but when you suffer, when you are sorrowful, take a moment and simply say a little prayer and say, thanks be to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, including the pain that I feel right now. Because that right there is what will separate you from this world. This world that chases after pleasures, lusts, and sin, and doesn't understand suffering at all. But we do, because we have the one who has, who has, who has, who has suffered and died for our sake. 
so that we could live forever. So as we go forward from here, give thanks to God for all things, including our pain, and especially for our Lord, who has, who has, who has, who has suffered and endured for our sake. For we must utterly despair of our own ability before we are prepared to receive that grace of Christ. Kill the old man daily. Kill the old man daily. Kill that old flesh that clings to you, so that the new man would rise, and so that he, so that he may live through you, and for the sake of your neighbor and for those that are close to you. And the peace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.